faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Hey, Jim, boom! Excuse me. That's a bad outfit! It's not an S. On my world, it means hope. Well, here it's an S. They will race behind you. They will stumble. They will fall. But in time, they will join you in the sun. Easy, miss. I've got you. you. You've got me! Who's got you? Up in the sky! It's a bird! It's a plane! It's Superman! You're listening to the 30-something movie podcast. Classic movies, 30 years in the making. Thirty Something Podcast. Uh, this is your host John Reed, and this time around, we're actually the eighty something podcast. This time around, because we are taking a look. At, we are eighties movies that we typically do, but this time we are taking a look at the eightieth anniversary of one of my favorite characters and a lot of people's uh, one of his one of their favorite characters, one of the probably the most well known fictional characters of all time. And I'm talking about uh, Clark Kent, Superman. Uh, it is the 80th anniversary today when this episode is going to be released 80th anniversary to the day of the release of action comics. Number one, uh, which featured the first appearance of the Superman that we know and love uh, in a published comic. So I'm going to spend probably the next two episodes of the show, and, and the second part of this is going to come out um, before next Wednesday. Usually we come out once a week, um, but we'll have two parts coming out right, kind of one right after the other. Maybe a couple of days later we'll do part two. Um, in part one, I'm going to talk about the character itself and the comics. Um, and a lot of, I'll go through some of the history of it if you're not as familiar with the history of Superman. Um, but then I'm also going to be talking a little bit about what I love about it. And when I mention, you know, some of the great stories of all time, there's no possible way. Well, I, I say, uh, there's no way for me to have read all the different Superman stories that are out there. So I'm sharing the ones that have been the favorites of mine. They may also show up. Uh, from time to time when you ask other people what some of their favorite stories are, but if you're looking at this going, that's not the greatest story of all time, okay, well, to me, it is one of my favorite stories of all time, and I am a big, big Superman fan, so, um, so yeah, so this episode will be the character of Superman himself, the comics, and then the next episode that we do, uh, we're going to dive into a little bit more of, like, the radio show, uh, Superman on the big screen, Superman on the small screen, other media that Superman has been in, and the future of the Superman character, where it goes from here. Um, because very rarely, if ever, do we have a fictional character that goes on for this long and, and is still having stories written about them and is still actively a part of um, of the culture in which we live and, and all that. So. Um, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on new movie news stuff right now. Uh, we'll jump into that maybe in one of our next episodes. Uh, obviously, we've got the next episode coming next week in which we are talking Return of the Killer Tomatoes and uh, Tape Heads. So look forward to that one. Uh, get back to our 80s movies groove. And I'll have some of the other guys with me there, too. 
But this time around, we are talking Superman, and I am just going to dive right in. Um, the funny thing I will say is, uh, over the course of the last several days, I have been just like sitting down and, and taking notes and trying to chart out for myself, like, what is it? Can I really, like, ob objectively, definitively say, this is my favorite Superman costume, or this is my favorite Superman story, or this is my favorite movie, or... And so I've, like, I was, like, drawing up charts to, like, rank things and taking notes on stuff, and my wife is just staring at me, and she's like, you, you know all of this stuff. Like, you, you, you know it. And I'm like, I know, but there's certain little details here and there that I just it's Superman and I want to do it right. And I, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like an idiot if I'm rambling and, and just going off the cuff and then I make up some fact or say something wrong. And she's like, you're, you know it all. So just cut it out. So, um, no more note taking. I'm, I'm done with all that, but, uh, yeah. So I would just jump on right into the character of Superman himself and kind of why that's something that's been such an integral part of our culture, of Western culture, of, um, you know, America in particular, we got to start off with how did Superman come about? We've got uh, two uh, immigrant boys, uh, high school boys growing up in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and that's Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. They were high school friends in Cleveland. They created a character in, I believe it was 1933, as part of a zine that they were publishing themselves called Science Fiction, and in, in their third issue of that one, they had a short story called The Reign of the Superman. And in that, there was this bald telepathic villain named the Superman. And, um, and so in that story, you have uh, someone who is pulled from the breadlines. And uh, they are, I think it was uh, Professor Smalley was the guy's name. He was a, a professor, kind of like a mad scientist type guy. And uh, he chooses some homeless man to use in a Superman experiment. And uh, the man's name is Bill Dunn, and he's pulled from a breadline, and he's promised um, a meal and uh, new clothes and, and a better life. So Dunn is part of the experiment. He gets telepathic powers, and he kind of goes mad and goes power-hungry, and he wants to take over the whole world. Ultimately, he kills Smalley, but then suddenly realizes that he uh, does not have the intelligence or the knowledge to recreate this potion that was used on him, and it's only that potion that's giving him his powers. So at the end of the story, tragically, he realizes that once this potion wears off, he will be back in the breadlines, and he will be a forgotten individual once more. So that was the original Superman story, which really has nothing to do with the Superman that we all know and love. And I think it was kind of after that, um, they were reworking the character. They, they wanted to get it published um, and they tried for several years pretty unsuccessfully, um, but they wanted to create a character that was more optimistic and more hopeful uh, than this villain that they had created at first. And they had a similar character that they created called Slam Bradley, uh, and that was for Detective Comics number one in uh, 1937 at National Allied Publications, which would ultimately become DC. Um, it was finally published in Action Comics number one on April 14th, I'm sorry, April 18th. Uh, 1938, so that is why we are at our 80th anniversary of the birth of Superman in the comic book form. So Action Comics number one comes out, and this is a character that people have never seen before. You never really had superheroes. Um, this is the first superhero comic before that. A lot of the comics were the pulp comics, the detective uh, story comics. Um, but this is really one of the first superheroes that has superpowers, and... He's a colorful character. You know, if you've seen any of the kind of behind-the-scenes stuff on the character of Superman, he's modeled after the Circus Strongman with that outfit. Uh, but also, 
modeled after the idea of Tarzan and Zorro and, and a lot of those early heroes that we have from uh, stories, from the radio, from comic books. And so he was modeled after that. But what I always think is kind of interesting about this is you take the idea of the science fiction story and you had science fiction stories in which these fantastical characters were shot off into f the far reaches of space or set in the future and you have these uh, these crazy cities like in in the movie Metropolis and uh, which you know is an influence on the city of Metropolis in the in the comic book stories but you have these science fiction stories you know turn of the century and in the early 1900s where it's always off in space or off in the distant future and then it's these uh, elaborate worlds that have been created and and foreign languages, alien languages, and alien cultures, and all this. And this was really one of the first times that they took the idea of a super-powered individual and made them human-looking and set them in an American city. And he's dealing with the everyday problems of American life, which, for people growing up and living during the Depression, that would have been an instant point of uh, connection between the characters and themselves. And so you have, this is really one of the first times that you have a character like Superman that can really connect with the common person, with the everyday American individual uh, who's going through what they're going through in the Great Depression. And you have a champion who's willing to stand up for the little guy, uh, which is, you know, at that point in time, you have, as you had in the original story, you had people waiting in bread lines. You had people that were dealing with corrupt politicians. You had people that were dealing with... Um, you know, th there was not a whole lot of hope. And so you have this character that's brightly colored and, and especially in action, in action comics, number one, you have, um, Superman who shows up and he has these amazing powers. He can leap an eighth of a mile. He has, uh, um, you know, he's super strong, super fast. He, nothing less than a bursting shell can, can break his skin. And then you have this story where he goes about saving an innocent woman from being executed. He then delivers the real murderer with a signed confession on the governor's lawn, uh, breaks into the house to, to, you know, hand her off and say, here she is. Um, he confronts an abusive husband and uh, rescues Lois Lane from a gangster. He grabs a corrupt senator and gets him to confess by leaping around buildings, uh, leaping around buildings while holding on to him. So you have this story right off the bat that this character is, you know, he's not afraid to jump in there and defend the little person. Um, and this would have been something that just people probably looked at that. I, I obviously can't speak for them because it wasn't alive then, but um, you know, you just look at that and you think, wow, this is, this character is standing up for me. This character is doing what no one else has the ability to do. So you have this escapist fiction, um, you know, people, people looking at that and just saying, wow, that I, I wish we had someone that could do that kind of stuff. Um, and that's one of the things I really like about the original Superman story is he's really all about helping the little guy. You know, I think in some of the other Superman stories, as you go further on, um, it gets a little lost in some of the ridiculousness. And, and I'm not saying I don't like that. Um, but, you know, as you get on into the ages of the comics, the Silver Age, the Bronze Age, you have some stories that are kind of ridiculous. Um, you know, Superman gets gets kind of uh, portrayed as the big blue boy scout and i think that's when it does a bit of a disservice to the character i think when he is the champion of the common person um and he's fighting for the people who can't defend themselves 
I think that's when you get to the true essence of, of what Superman is and, and what he's meant to be. So obviously early on, I, I mentioned some of his powers. Early on, his powers are way different than they end up being um, You know, at other times. Uh, some of the things from early on, Kryptonians have just evolved into physical perfection. There's nothing to do with the idea of getting his powers from the yellow sun. Um, there were just ridiculous power levels later on as, as we kind of develop, and I'll talk a little bit more about those in just a minute. But, um, you know, at different times, he was faster than light. Uh, he could visit other planets quickly, or he could time travel really easily. He could push planets around. Just crazy stuff that they, you know, at, at different times, they kind of retconned into saying, well, you know, he's we've, we've made some changes. He's not that powerful now. And or they pulled back a little bit on his powers to, to make him a little bit more human and relatable. Um, so... I tried to ask myself this question. I, I'm like, if you're going to do a podcast on the 80th anniversary of Superman, and there are times where I get into debates with people about you know Superman because we've had the popularity of the Batman movies. And I feel like if you're a comic book fan like I am, if you're a superhero fan, there's, there's that constant DC versus Marvel debate, but then there's also that constant Batman versus Superman debate. And I feel like with the popularity of the Batman movies, everybody, everybody's on team Batman, or at least a lot of people are on team Batman. And when I think about what is it that makes Superman Superman? Like, why is he such an enduring character? Um, and Batman has been too, I, I, you know, they, they both came out at roughly the same time, but, um, Superman, obviously the first of the superheroes. And so I, I wanted to ask myself, well, what is it that I feel like boils down the essence of of Superman. So if I'm reading a story and I say, yeah, that doesn't really seem like Superman to me. Um, <clears throat> it comes down to, I, I wrote down four different things that I think make Superman Superman. The first one is that he's eternally optimistic. Um, that's not to say that Superman can't get down on occasion or, you know, doubt himself a little bit, but that ultimately he is, he's the optimist. You know, he's the one that's always going to look for the best in people and try to bring out the best in people. Um, he's someone that will inspire hope and will inspire greatness. Now, I'm not saying that I don't like Batman, but that to me is where the difference is in their characters. I think of Batman as being um, more of a negative character. And, and that's not to say that Batman's just sitting around moping all the time, even though sometimes he kind of is. Um, but I think of Batman as being a character who inspires fear. And they both have very different tactics. <clears throat> and so just depending on, I think, your personality uh, as a fan, you're going to gravitate to one of these. And I gravitate a little bit more to the inspiring hope. Um, but again, I, I enjoy a good Batman movie and a good Batman story. So that's not to say that I don't like Batman. Uh, I think with my personality, I just tend to gravitate a little bit more towards the positivity and the uh, encouragement and the hopefulness that is part of Superman. So I think that Superman, the character of Superman needs to be somebody who's eternally optimistic. I think he needs to be the protector of the innocent. I think that, as I mentioned in some of his early stories, when he's when he's uh, fighting for the, the little guy, when he's protecting the innocent, that's when you have a great uh, Superman story, and that's what's integral to the character of Superman himself. You know, there have been other times where Superman has been used to get across some kind of cultural or political idea, um, and I think that for that to not seem like propaganda. It's got to be something that is um, working toward 
helping the little guy. Um, so I, there have been times in the past where that hasn't quite happened, but there have also been times where I will have family members or friends will say, oh man, did you see, did you see in that latest episode, uh, the latest issue of the comics, Superman punched a cop? What are these people doing making Superman punch a cop? I mean, it's just like the rest of the world and it, um, you know, and I'll, and I'll, you know, this is the only political thing I'll say right now is that, uh, that was a story that was featured on Fox news and, um, and I'm listening to the, the people who are telling me this, I'm listening to them going, you didn't read the comic, did you? Like, because there's a very good reason that Superman punched the cop. It's not because Superman is defending, well, he was defending immigrants, but, um, you know, it, it's not because of reasons that you might not like immigrant groups or, or, you know, people coming into our country that you feel like shouldn't be in our country. If you read the story, number one, he is defending the the immigrants in this story, but it's not because of some kind of crazy political agenda. It's because if you actually read the story, the cops were possessed and Superman did not have his full powers. So punching the cop was not going to like blast his head off in a splatter of blood. Um, you know, it, it was something that fit within the story and you just kind of took one aspect of it and you're like, oh, well, Superman punched a cop and he did this. And did you hear he's, uh, he's, uh, revoking his citizenship and, and, and you know, not an American anymore. And it, okay. Well, again, the idea behind the story is that Superman is working for the common good. Um, you know, there's, there's a phrase that I've, that I've heard before uh, a few different times, the idea of um, encouraging human flourishing. And I think that that's when Superman is at his greatest, is that when he is working toward the betterment of mankind, and mankind does not always mean, it, it typically in the past has been uh, the American society, but I think especially now as more and more things with the internet and, and we get to be more of a global society, I think that it's not wrong for Superman to be a character who is working towards the good of the world. And, you know, if, if this were an all-powerful alien that had come to live on our planet, I would kind of hope that he would stick up for the idea of the universal common good. Um, and not necessarily just be, I, I would be a little nervous if, and I think they play off of that in some of the movies, I'd be a little nervous if this person was siding with just one country in the world. Um, which obviously, and I'll, again, I'll talk about these a little bit later, but you do get some interesting stories when you have the, the alternate realities where Superman landed in Russia and he's now, um, you know, he's, he's an agent of, of the Russian government. And, and so obviously a slightly different take on, on the Superman story. So protector of the innocent, I think he's got to be a protector of the innocent champion of the common man. Um, and I realized that I said I had four things, but those were really two things that I just wrote right next to each other. Um, the last thing I want to say about Superman is I think that a Superman story for him to be Superman and for it to be a good Superman story is that he needs to be the bright spot in a dark world. I think that Batman is the darkness. Batman lives in the darkness. Batman loves the darkness in some ways. Um, and that's a good Batman story is everything's dark and Batman struggles to, you know, hold back the darkness a little bit, but he's kind of holding back the darkness with his own darkness. Whereas I think Superman should be the bright spot in a dark world. Now I take that, I take that a step further when I talk to people about the movies and maybe where I feel like while I enjoy the DC movies and the Superman movies, the characterization of Superman in the movies, 
I, I sometimes wish had been done a little bit differently because I look at it and I, I look at, and I'm not in on these planning meetings, but I look at this and I, I see movie studios possibly saying, well, we need to do a, a dark and gritty Superman because it's a dark and gritty world. And, um, I feel like I, I dropped into my old, uh, intro for the podcast in a world where it's dark and gritty. Um, but I think that Superman needs to be the bright point in a dark world. And I really like, and I probably will talk about this more on the next episode when I talk about the movies, but one of the things I really like is um, with the newer movies, with Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman and Justice League, the one thing that I kind of compared Man of Steel and Captain America uh, was when I had some folks saying, you know, I don't understand why they got to mess with Superman and make him mopey and depressed and and all this. And I said, well, you know, that would be my one criticism that I do have of Man of Steel. And I know some people hate Man of Steel. Some people don't like it. Um, it I, I love it. It's one of my favorite movies, and it's it's probably my favorite DC movie uh, in recent years. But that was one of the things that I did have a criticism was, you know, you don't have to... The character does not have to be dark and gritty. You can make the world around the character dark and gritty, but the character themselves should remain... Somebody like Superman should remain fairly pure in that dark and gritty world, which I think they did very, very well with Captain America, the first Avenger. In the different Captain America movies, you have Captain America who is not necessarily being corrupted by the world. He's keeping his values and he's keeping his purity um, despite the fact that the world around him is full of corruption and darkness, but he is the bright spot in the dark world. So um, that, I think, to me, is, is when a Superman story is done well. It's when Superman is the bright spot in the dark world. So I'm going to jump into the comics a little bit more and, and talk about some of the different ages. If you're not a comic book fan and you're not quite sure what I mean when I say the Golden Age or the Silver Age, I'll, I'll give you kind of an idea of what that is. Comic book history was divided up into different ages. And um, while I know some people will say that we are currently in the modern age, I think it's difficult to call it the modern age because, you know, eventually the modern age is going to be called something else. Who knows what? Um because they didn't call it the Golden Age when they were in the Golden Age. It was the Modern Age then, or they didn't even have a name for it. Um, but you can kind of break up the history of comic books into these different ages. And typically there's about four of them, um, although I've kind of broken this up into five, and, and I've got reasons for doing that. But when you think about the Golden Age, you think of the Golden Age as being kind of the advent of superheroes of Batman, Superman, you know, Green Lantern of the, all these different characters, the Spectre, like all the, you know, all the different characters that pop up. Um, that is from about 1938 when Superman first came out to about 1955 would be the golden age. Then from about 1956 to the 1970s, you're looking at something called the silver age. And that's when you started to have more and more superheroes come in to play. And their stories um, got to be a little bit less grounded in, um, you know, World War II stuff and, and things like that. Um, and you had some more fantastical stories. And you know, we started to get more sci-fi type stories. Not that we didn't have those in the Golden Age. Um, but uh, Superman in particular, we were, were dealing with some pretty ridiculous powers and crazy things happening. And, and then as these characters went along, you started to get more of the... The, the family aspect that would come along with them, like supporting characters that would come along and, and kind of fleshing out some of the cast of characters that would be a part of these comics. 
The Bronze Age then goes from the 70s to about 1985. And, um, you know, that's during a time when comics are needing to start to change a little bit. Like we're, you know, we're coming into the 70s and should we be a newspaper reporter anymore? Or should we switch to being a, a TV news anchor? Because we've got modern technology now and, and would Superman move along with that modern technology? And then you get to the modern age, which is 1986 to about 2010. And, and this, I think, this is where I kind of distinguish this, particularly for Superman or for DC Comics. Um, I break that off at 2010 because for DC Comics, they restarted everything all over again in 2011. So um, the modern age for Superman stuff, I think of as being from that 86 to 2010 time. That's going to be the one that I probably will talk about the most because that's where I was growing up, and that's where I did most of my comic book reading and collecting was during those years. Um, although I definitely still collect a little bit now, but um, you know that was kind of that late '80s, definitely the early, uh, the early. Well, actually, most most of the '90s is when I did most of my comic book collecting <clears throat> and most of my initial reading of Superman beyond what I knew from playing with the toys and watching Super Friends and, and all that stuff. And watching the movies, uh, most of my exposure to the comic book Superman comes in the in the kind of early to mid '90s and and beyond that. And then finally for DC, I've broken it up into another one from 2011 to the present. Um, we're in something called the New 52 or Rebirth, and that's where they restarted everything back in 2011 and called it the New 52 because there were 52 issues, um, 52 different comic books that they were releasing. And they all started back at number one. So Action Comics and Superman, who had been going for hundreds and hundreds of issues, they started them all back at number one, which probably made collectors very scared uh, because they wanted to be able to get to an Action Comics 1000. Uh, no other comic book, as far as I know, has ever reached a 1000th issue, which it has today. So congratulations, Action Comics. But that's kind of where we're at now with the new 52 and Rebirth. So Golden Age, jumping all the way back to the Golden Age, 1938, um, Superman, his, in terms of his powers, his power is kind of low. Um, you know, he doesn't have the crazy fantastical powers he will have in the Silver Age. He is dealing with criminals, corruption, World War II. Uh, Kryptonite was introduced on the radio in 1943. It wasn't part of the original comic book story. Um, the world of Krypton was introduced here, the character of Clark Kent, Lois Lane, the Daily Star, not the Daily Planet. Um, I think the Daily Star becomes the Daily Planet, oh, I want to say in like 1940, maybe. I didn't write that one down. But um, yeah, so originally he's working for the Daily Star, and his editor's name is George Taylor. Um, and then it ultimately becomes the Daily Planet, and his editor is Perry White. And as far as I can remember, there's like no explanation for why this changes. Like all of a sudden, one day, you know, Clark and Lois show up, and they have a new editor, and nobody ever talks about the old one. And the, the paper is now the Daily Planet and not the Daily Star, and um, it's a little weird, but uh, Luther, who originally was not called Lex Luther, just Luther, Jor-El and Lara were introduced. Um, Jonathan and Martha Kent were originally not Jonathan and Martha. Originally, it was Eben, I think it's Eben or Eben, and Mary Kent. So, but they had changed that because they actually traveled into the future and realized that they were going to need to use the word that you need to use the name Martha in Batman versus Superman. So when they traveled into the future and they realized, oops, we need to change it. They went back to the 1930s, 1940s and changed it so that it would be Martha so that we'd have this essential plot point in Batman versus Superman. I'm absolutely kidding about that. Just in case you weren't sure. Um, 
I'm not talking about Batman versus Superman yet. That'll be next time. Um, some great stories from this era uh, were Action Comics number one, uh, Superman number 53, uh, which I think was the kind of the retelling. Uh, it was like an extended retelling of Superman's orig- uh, origin story. Superman number 30 was the first uh, introdu- introduction to Mr. Mixes Pitlick, um, the imp from the fifth dimension who's always causing trouble for Superman and can only be sent back to his home by forcing him to say his name uh, backwards. I think spell his name backwards too, he could. Uh, Superman number four was the first story. There was a story before this with a character of Luther, but really kind of the first appearance of Lex Luthor is in Superman number four. And then we jump into the Silver Age. So Silver Age, again, is 1956 to the 1970s. Superman develops ridiculous powers at this point. Um, he, you know, the character-wise, he's dealing more with the anxiety over his secret identity, being constantly hounded by Lois, who wants to marry him, um, teaming up with other heroes. There's a lot of team-ups during this time. And we have introduced a lot of the cast of characters that are going to be, you know, following Superman along for the rest of his life. Um, we introduced Supergirl during this time. Uh, we have Crypto, the super dog. We have the other super pets. Uh, was it Beppo, the super monkey, I think was one of them. And Streaky, the super cat, and yeah, all that stuff. Um, we have the Bottle City of Candor. We have Brainiac. Um, we have the character of Bizarro. We have Superboy. And this was kind of around the time, too. You know, obviously, they're trying to expand and, and make a little bit more money with Superman um, by having another comic in which we tell stories of Superman as a boy. So um, that's where it kind of we have a, a bit of a split off there, and, and a, um, you have stories of Superman as he's growing up. We have Lana Lang, we have Pete Ross, uh, Smallville is a little bit more fleshed out in the Silver Age. We have the Justice League of America being formed and the heroes coming together. The Fortress of Solitude is kind of first mentioned during this time. The way that they explained what happened here was the Golden Age stories of Superman. Um, you know, towards the end of that Golden Age time, you ended up having like Superman and Lois Lane were, were going to get married and, and all kinds of other stuff that um, they didn't necessarily want to continue on into this Silver Age time. So the way that they kind of explained that later on was that the Golden Age was actually a separate universe and it was on something called Earth 2. So we've introduced the idea of a multiverse. And so the Golden Age becomes Earth 2, and that Superman and Lois Lane and all those characters are kind of allowed to go off and and have their adventures. So on occasion, you could come back to your original Golden Age Superman and see kind of what he's up to and, and, um, you know, allow those stories to still exist, but not interfere with the Silver Age stories that we've got going on now. Um, some great stories from this time period, uh, Superman number 76 is one of his first teams, teams up, one of his first team up with Batman. Superman number 190, 192, I can't even get my numbers right right now. Uh, Superman number 129, um, one of the first stories, the first story with Laurie Lamaris, which I always thought was kind of a cool story. Um, you know, I always think of Superman, especially as a kid, it's it's Superman and Lois Lane. And of course, you have to have an alliterative girlfriend. He's got a thing for L's. Um, and so you have Laurie Lamaris, uh, the story in which he meets this girl in college and uh, she is, she's in a wheelchair. Um, she has a blanket over her legs and come to find out that she has a blanket over her legs because she's a mermaid. Um, not because she's handicapped, but because she's a mermaid. And, um, so it's just kind of this sweet story of, of Superman and, and, uh, kind of his, his first girlfriend, I guess. Uh, we have Superman red and blue from, uh, Superman number 162. That will eventually come back in the late nineties, um, uh, for the, uh, 
what they call the Millennium Giants. I think that was the name of that story. There was a whole run of, of the Superman Red, Superman Blue that followed up with the electric Superman um, when they had made changes to his powers and his costume in the late 90s. I think it was 97 around when that happened. Uh, Superman number 199 is the race with the Flash. So if you watched Justice League and you got to the end and you saw one of those extra scenes, you had the race with the Flash and they kind of recreated that iconic cover from the comic books. Um, you have the idea of the multiverse being created in the 1960s um, so that you have opportunities to have different Earths and the you know different Supermen can interact in different ways. You also have Zod, the character of Zod created in 1961, which obviously fe features as a pretty prominent character in the rest of the Superman stories going forward. Then you jump into the Bronze Age, 1970s to 1985. Superman's got about medium power here. They kind of depowered him a little bit. Um, he's very similar to the Silver Age, but things don't come as easily. He might have to strain a little bit to push that planet around. Um, in a 1971 story, they got rid of all kryptonite and got turned to iron. Now, eventually, you know, in not too long, that actually was changed back again, so that there is kryptonite, but um, they wanted to try to get rid of kryptonite because it had kind of gotten crazy with all the different colors and, and there being like everybody everywhere somehow magically had kryptonite. Uh, you have WGBS-TV. Uh, Clark becomes a news anchor. Um, he has he kind of develops more of a resistance to kryptonite and you have the annoying character of Steve Lombard, who's always causing problems for him uh, and Lois. This is also around the time that Jack Kirby is around creating his fourth world characters and creates the character of Darkseid, which you kind of finally have someone who's powerful enough to rival Superman in terms of his strength. Like a lot of his other villains are more, um, you know, trying to outwit Superman with their, it's always kind of the brains versus brawn, the whole Lex Luthor thing. Um, but you finally have someone who kind of rivals Superman in terms of his power. Great stories during the Bronze Age would be the Superman versus Muhammad Ali comic book, the Kryptonite Nevermore stories. Um, those ran from Superman number 233 to 238 and 240 to 242. And then uh, the story that kind of wraps up the Bronze Age, wraps up the, the Golden, Silver, and Bronze Age is uh, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. And that's a kind of a story that they did um, in 1985, early 1986, to kind of wrap up the idea of, all right, well, we're moving on to a new continuity. There was an event called the Crisis on Infinite Earths that was going to basically restart the universe and make a whole, a whole lot of changes to the different characters. And so this is kind of a way to say goodbye to that whole Silver Age, Bronze Age set of stories um, with that Superman story. It's a really good story if you've never read it before. Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Um, really good story if you want to go go check it out, find it. Um, a lot of these comics, it, you know, some of the older ones you're not going to be able to find as easily. Uh, there'll be reprints somewhere, but um, I found that my local library carries a lot of different comics, so if you're ever, if you want to look for some of these, but you don't want to pay for them, you don't want to order them online, um, take a look at your local library and see. They might have some of these, because I've been able to, to track down some of these uh, going that route. The Modern Age. So this is about when I started. Um, I would have been six years old. When, or five years old or so, when the Crisis on Infinite Earths rebooted the continuity. Uh, Superman was reintroduced in a Man of Steel miniseries. It was a six-part miniseries that kind of uh, walked everybody back through his new history uh, with growing up and the fact that he was not Superboy at any point in time, um, that he really didn't develop his powers until he was a little bit older. Uh, you know, his you know, kryptonite is back, but in a, in a more limited way and kind of how he goes about deciding to become Clark Kent and, and to still use his powers as Superman and, and just his first years in Metropolis and, and how that all goes. Lex Luthor is also kind of changed into being a business tycoon, a corrupt businessman as opposed to a mad scientist. 
Um, Superman has pretty high power in this one, but not like Silver Age levels of power. Uh, he's extremely powerful, and his powers have continued to develop over time since then. You have a very sterile-looking Krypton in this. Uh, it's much more, much more science fiction-y. Um, you know, a, a very robotic and logical. It's a little bit more like the Vulcans uh, in terms of their personalities. Um, you have the character of the Eradicator, the Matrix Supergirl, which is kind of like a shape-shifting uh, alien who made herself look like Supergirl. Um, you have now. This is the story that got me on board: the death and return of Superman. Um, so that was kind of where I came into the whole thing. And I was kind of hooked from that point on. You have the character of the electric Superman. Um, that is when Superman develops a new set of powers and his powers are then electricity based and he has a new costume and it goes through all these different changes. You had a story of new Krypton where a new, uh, Krypton planet shows up on the other side. I think it was on the other side of the sun from earth. And, um, people that were in the bottle city of Kandor are kind of transplanted onto that new Krypton planet. Um, you also have the character of Christopher Kent, which I thought was a great storyline. Uh, he's the biological son of Zod, but Superman adopts him and kind of starts to raise him as his own. And I love those stories. I, I know a lot of people were like, mm, Superman is a dad. That's kind of lame. Um, but I think that's one of the things that they're doing really well now is that you have uh, John Kent, um, who's the current Superboy and Superman and Lois Lane's son. And I, I really love those stories. And I'll talk a little bit more about why when I get to that point. But um, I always thought Christopher Kent was a, a fun character and a, kind of a good addition to the Superman stories then. Great stories during this time. I mean, this list could go on forever because, again, this is where I started. Um, he executes the Kryptonian criminals in a pocket universe, and that's where you kind of get the, his justification going forward for why he doesn't kill people, because he did kill people at one point, and from that point, he has decided, nope, I'm not doing that ever again. Um, it's not my place to be the executioner. You have Clark finally proposing to Lois and revealing his secret to her. You had a series called Armageddon 2001, which was kind of a series of stories that looked into possible futures to see who was going to become this despot that would uh, take over the world, take over the galaxy. Um, and that was kind of my first experience with alternate universes and alternate histories. And there was a story in which um, Superman and Lois Lane get married and they try to have a child and the child somehow develops powers while still inside Lois Lane and that ends up killing her before she can um, give birth to the child. So then you have a story in which Superman goes off and I think he falls in love with another superhero named Maxima and, and they're going to go off together. And um, you had stories in which Superman was being elected president and like all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, you get the introduction to the linear men who in the, uh, nineties, uh, and the, a little bit in the two thousands, but mostly in the nineties were kind of these time traveling observers that would watch and observe and, and kind of be the, uh, outside observers to tell us what's going on and how this has a larger role somewhere, uh, a larger role to play in, in events that will be coming up. You have Lex Luthor too. You have the, uh, Australian Lex Luthor with the long, uh, red hair. You have the death, funeral, and return of Superman, where he is killed by Doomsday and then comes back to life through the reign of the Superman storyline. You have Zero Hour, which is not really a Superman story, but I thought that was really cool because you've got a whole bunch of time travel stuff and you've got the different uh, Superman, Superboy characters kind of interacting within the same pages. 
One of my favorite Superman stories of all time, in fact, it probably is my favorite of all time, is All-Star Superman, which is a great, I think it was a 12-issue series that really goes through every aspect of Superman from Golden Age to today and really gets at the heart of why Superman is the way Superman is. Um, one of my other favorite stories, too, is the death of Clark Kent. I thought that was kind of a fun, um, a fun take on the whole thing where you had a character that uh, just really hated Clark Kent and discovered that Clark Kent was Superman and then was, was working toward um, threatening all the people that were in his life uh, unless, he, unless he chose to give up that part of his life. So Superman decides that he's going to let Clark Kent die and uh, kind of go off and... and try to find another way to live and deal with this villain. And then you have the story of the electric Superman. I think those, those stories were kind of fun. Some people don't like those, but I, th I thought it was kind of a fun experimental thing to do for a little bit and just see uh, what you could do differently with Superman, uh, giving him some different powers. Um, at this point, I, it, this, this is where I kind of sit for a little bit because this is, I remember one of the first comic books um, before I started collecting them myself, kind of what got me started with collecting. I had had comic books before as a kid, but um, we were living in England and my dad had gone back to the States on a business trip and he brought me back two comics. He brought me back uh, Superman number 81 and Batman number 490. Eight or four ninety nine, I think it was four ninety nine, and so I knew from Super Friends and from movies and you know just a kind of a basic knowledge of things. I knew that um, I knew that Batman was was Bruce Wayne, and I knew that you know Superman was this super powerful superhero that's always helping people out, and he's got the primary colors suit and all this other stuff. My dad brings home these comics from the states. And I crack, crack them open, and I look at it, and I go, whoa, okay, this, whoa, Superman, first of all, Superman's got long hair, he's got a black suit with a silver S on it, what is going on? And then they start to hint in the story that, well, he's been dead for a while, and he came back. I'm like, whoa, you do, Superman died? What? So then I go back, and I, one of the first um, graphic novels I ever bought was The Death of Superman, and it goes through the whole story of the creature of Doomsday and his fight with Doomsday and ultimately dying at the hands of Doomsday. And from that point on, I was pretty much hooked. And, and then the whole story of the four Superman imposters showing up, claiming to be Superman, and going through that whole, uh, that whole bit. And then the other comic that my dad had brought was, I think it was Batman 499, and it was Batman had like these razor-sharp... Uh, gloves that he was using that would fire off these little bat symbol darts and and it wasn't Bruce Wayne it was some other guy who had been part of this assassin cult uh, who had taken over from Bruce Wayne because Bruce Wayne got his back broken by this giant guy named Bane and I'm like wait a minute Doomsday Bane I don't even know who these people are but you're telling me that Batman's back is broken and Superman died and I I, I need to know more I, I, I got to know so um so that's when I got hooked and so I started like I, I developed a radar for comic book stores while we lived over in England. And, um, you know, we would go to the, this is the big, uh, six story toy store in, uh, downtown London. And one of the top floors had the comic book section. So I'd always go grab some comic books there. And then I started to discover other comic books, um, like the alien comics from the alien movies and predator and terminator and all that stuff. Um, so that was kind of like what started it, it kickstarted my, my love of comic books. And it's kind of been still going until today. Um, so let me then jump forward to the new 52 and rebirth. Um, this is a reboot of the continuity after the flashpoint story. 
which is where there was an alternate universe where some crazy stuff happened. Uh, characters were not the way that they should have been, and Flash needed to have that put right by making sure that the reverse Flash um, went through with killing his mother, and that was what had changed everything, and, and by putting that right, things went back to the way they were supposed to, but kind of not. So um, things had changed a little bit. Superman is younger in this, and at first he's kind of just slowly developing his powers. He's wearing jeans and a t-shirt, uh, but his cape is indestructible. He's working at the Daily Star for George Taylor. Um, it's got a very similar intro to Action Comics number one from 1938, is in Action Comics number one from 2011. Uh, Lois and Clark are not married, and they're not even together. She's uh, dating somebody else at that point. And so this was, I like where the comics are now. And it's a different Superman now. They actually brought back the Superman from the 90s, the one that was married to Lois Lane. And um, they kind of told a story in which he was saved from the reboot of the universe. And he'd been working quietly in the shadows with his wife and his child, uh, hidden away in a farm in, in Hamilton County. So uh, they're not in Metropolis and they're not, they're not doing their Metropolis thing. Um, and then ultimately the New 52 Superman ended up dying. And then there was a story which then merged the New 52 Superman and Lois Lane into the 90s Superman and Lois Lane. It's, it's all very convoluted if you didn't read the stories. but um, So I'm happy where they're at now. I liked the way things started off, where you had a young Superman who's wearing jeans and a t-shirt, and he's doing the same things he was doing in 1938, you know, beaten up on the uh, the abusive husband and grabbing the uh, corrupt senator and, and flinging him around until he confesses and, and all this other stuff that he did. I was like, okay, this is cool. Like, this is Superman sticking up for the little guy. This is a Superman who's not necessarily invulnerable. He might be at some point someday, but we've got some really good potential for some great stories here. And then they just, like, leapt right into... Like it was only a few issues and then all of a sudden, boom, he's got a suit of armor now and he's super powerful and we're off into Brainiac and all this other, you know, crazy stuff. And, and I was like, well, okay. I kind of feel like we had some potential for some really good stories there, but it kind of got squandered away. Stories that came out during this time. Um, my first half of the list of stories I don't like, and the second half I really do like. So um, the Grant Morrison action comics during this time I did not like at all. I felt it was convoluted. And Grant Morrison, usually a very good writer, and I've liked a lot of his other stuff, but I just did not like how... And I've, I've since read articles in which they say it really wasn't... Um, the story didn't come out as he had intended. I think he had a, a plan for maybe six issues and they wanted to stretch it out to like 12 or 18. Um, and so I, I don't really lay all of that on him, but it just was not executed well. So I, I actually was very frustrated and stopped uh, buying the comics at that point just because I didn't like the way the story was going. And I feel like I'm a fairly intelligent person and I, I know how to read. And I constantly would open up these comics and feel like I was totally lost and didn't know what was going on in the story. Um, I did not like the deep, the depowered fight club type Superman. Um, he had lost his powers and he like wrapped his fists in his indestructible cape and, and he was riding around on a motorcycle and, um, you know, I don't know. It just, when you, when you have Superman hop on a motorcycle and I think in, in the one panel it's Superman on a motorcycle and he's saying, hell yeah, I'm Superman. 
that that to me is just that's not my Superman. Um, so I was not a big fan of that, and I think a lot of people weren't either because very quickly he ended up changing. Um, there was the Super Doom story in which Superman got infected by a Doomsday virus and started to become Doomsday. The only reason I didn't like that one, it was an interesting enough idea, but the only reason I didn't like that one is what one of the other things comic books tend to do is if you wanted to read that story and know what was going on, you had to buy the issues of action comics. You had to buy the issue that tied into it with Superman. You had to buy the issue of Supergirl that tied in. You had to buy the issue of Superboy that tied in. You had to buy the issue of Superman and Wonder Woman uh, that tied into it because at this point in time, Superman and Wonder Woman were dating as opposed to Superman and Lois Lane. And you just, all these different issues of all these different comics, and I was not collecting them because comics have gotten much more expensive in the last few years. And at like $4 a pop, I'm not, I'm not going to go buy all these. So what I started to find was I really was getting behind and not understanding the story because I had totally missed something from one of these other issues or the story had been told over the course of three other issues somewhere else that I was not collecting. Um, so not a, not a fan of that. Then when they started up the Lois and Clark miniseries that reintroduced the 90s Superman, he had a beard at this point, he was with Lois Lane, and they had a son, Jonathan Kent, Loved that one. In fact, I almost stopped buying the other Superman comic books just so I could get this Lois and Clark one. Um, and now what they've been doing with the current Superman uh, and action comics, it's it's back to the Superman that I enjoyed from the 90s. And it's there's a family dynamic with his son and with Lois. And I to me, that just that feels like the best Superman. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm not averse to them trying new things, but I just feel like that is a well-executed Superman. In Action Comics 1000, I have no clue because I haven't got a copy yet. Uh, once I get a copy, I will know, but uh, I think my copy is coming in the mail in another couple weeks or so, but I, maybe I can try to go pick one up at some point today uh, since, like I said, today is the day that all comes out. Um, so real quickly, to kind of wrap up this episode of our Superman extravaganza, um, my top five Superman stories of all time in the comics, because we're talking comics this time, I have my list of my top five Superman suits and my top five Superman comic book stories. So if you're wanting something good to go check out, here are some ideas. Uh, top five stories. I had tied on my list the Electric Blue Superman and Superman King of the World. There's a point at which Superman is kind of tricked into believing that if he doesn't take over the world, that everything's going to fall apart and the people he loves uh, are going to die. And so he develops this army of robots and he basically becomes the emperor of the world, becomes the king of the world. And I always thought that was kind of an interesting idea, an interesting twist on Superman. Uh, Superman Last Son, that was a storyline in which Christopher Kent was introduced. Uh, it was kind of co-written by uh, Richard Donner from the movies and uh, Jeff Johns, and it had very much a vibe of the, the Donner movies. Um, number three, Kingdom Come. Uh, that's a great story that's in the future of the DC Universe, and Superman um, has kind of gone off to live as almost like a hermit um, because the young superheroes that came in just were not, they weren't listening to the older superheroes, and there was an accident that happened, um, and Superman decided it's probably just best if I separate myself from the rest of the world, but then something forces him to, to need to come back. Number two, the death funeral and return. Nothing's ever going to replace that as as way high up on my list of favorite stories, just because that's where I that was my entry point. And then finally, number one, All Star Superman. It gets to the essence of Superman. It it is a story that encompasses the entire history of Superman. There's so much in that um, that just gets at the character. And, and I think if you've never read a Superman story before, that's a great place to start um, to get an idea of what the whole history of Superman is all about and what the character is all about. 
My top five favorite Superman suits, because he's gone through a lot of changes in the course of 80 years. Uh, number five is the new 52 uh, jeans and t-shirt suit from 2011. Number four is the electric blue Superman from 1997. Um, <clears throat> and I'll put up some pictures in our show notes if you want to see these or places where you can go look up these uh, if you've never seen them before. I just thought the electric blue Superman was a cool concept. I, I just, as a kid, I was like, oh man, that's, that's totally awesome. Um, number three, the Fleischer Superman cartoons. It's a very classic look to Superman. Uh, it had the black instead of the yellow behind the S, but I, I really always enjoyed those Fleischer cartoons from the 1940s um, and, and just loved his costume in those. Number two is the black and silver costume when he comes back to life in 1993. And number one, obviously, the classic, uh, I'm gonna, I put down as the Man of Steel uh, 1986 costume, but just the classic primary colors, you know, when you see it, it you know it's Superman. Um, that's obviously favorite of all time. And if you were in my office, right, I'm in my office right now at work and I'm, uh, after the work day is over and, and I've got some Superman stuff up here and, and you, you would know that my lanyard for school is a Superman lanyard and, uh, I got the Superman symbol and, and Superman stuff everywhere. So it's, it's all over the place. Um, I'm going to leave you with one thing before we finish out this episode. One quote that I thought just kind of really sums up the idea of Superman. There was a story. Uh, in the early Superman stories in which Superman is, uh, he has contracted a virus and he is going to die. Uh, he believes he's going to die. And so he's trying to do what he needs to do to kind of wrap up his life and, and leave things in a good way. And in one of the final uh, points of the story, as we get towards the end of the story, uh, I think this just sums up a lot of what Superman is all about. Uh, he is actually using his, I think he's using his heat vision to carve a message into the moon um, that people will be left with after he dies. And he signs the message, Superman, Clark Kent, in parentheses, um, so then the people will know his, his secret identity. But the message he carves into the moon is, do good to others and every man can be a Superman. And I think that goes back to the idea of he's the eternal optimist. He's always looking for the best in people. He's inspiring hope, inspiring the best in people. And that's why, for me, uh, Superman is always going to be one of my favorite fictional characters, one of my favorite comic book characters. Um, you know, he just kind of, he, he flies out above the rest. Uh, just because, for me, it's that hope, it's that optimism. And, you know, he, he is the bright point in an otherwise dark world. So... So that's going to do it for this one. Uh, next time we'll come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the movies, the TV shows. Um, oh, man. Smallville, Lois and Clark. I, I spent years and years watching those shows, religiously watching those shows. Um, so I got a few things to say about those. Um, but we'll come back next time, probably just in a few more days. We'll have that one. But uh, So thank you for joining us. If you want to find out more about us, we are at 30podcast.com. Um, you can go to 30podcast.com, find ways to call our voicemail line, to email us, to tweet at us, uh, check out our Instagram, Facebook, all those different places. Um, and listen to our other episodes that we've got, uh, 30podcast.com. So for myself, John Reed, my other usual co-hosts that I've got with me from time to time, uh, Dennis Matuch, Bo, Bo Warmbold, Jeff Mazuka, and congratulations, Jeff, again. Uh, had a baby about a month ago, and he just came back to work um, yesterday, and so it was good to see him again. I'm sure he's listening because he's a big Superman fan too, but um, but uh, glad that everything's going well with, with his family and with the baby. And uh, the, uh, the very, very special Pat Canigallo. Um, who is usually with me as well. So from all of us here at the 30 something movie podcast, be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies and go read some good Superman comics too. We'll see you next time. <laughs>